Welcome back to Stories of the Saints. My guest today is Brother Garland Schnack. Uh, many of you may know him from his email service. Uh, he kind of connects all kinds of saints together through that, and we'll discuss that today. But he's here to share his testimony of Jesus. So, Brother Garland, thank you for coming. Thank you for having me, Michael. So, I really, I know of Garland. I think I, so, I, you have a daughter. What's your, do you have a daughter? Jill. And she's married to Brent. Right. So Brent and I, Brent was one of the first friends I met in the center place when I lived in Ohio. And I'd come out here to visit and stay with him and his folks. And I haven't seen him forever. But I kind of think I was at a weekend retreat with him. And I think Jill was there. And on the way back, I think I saw those two talking to McDonald's. And that might have been the beginning of their dating relationship. I'm not sure. But I might have been there at the very beginning. So you have grandkids? Yeah, three Jill's has three okay. kids. Is she your only? Um, <clears throat> That's our only grandkids. I've got a son Okay. Uh, older than her, but uh, they didn't have any children. Okay. Well, let's just start off, Garland, and tell me your earliest. Uh, were you raised in the church in the Restoration? I was, yes. What's, what's uh, one of your earliest memories of Jesus or going to church or all of the above? Oh, it's just... Started very young, of course, at church every Sunday. Um, I was born here in Independence at the sanitarium. Okay. My parents, uh, my dad worked at Lake City. Uh, My mother was a bookkeeper at uh, Mound Grove Cemetery. And that little house that they have there for the offices, that was our home. I got a picture of me on my tricycle out in front of that house. Wow. (laughs) But uh, we shortly after that we moved to Cameron, Missouri. Okay. And uh, kind I of grew rural. up at, at Cameron, so got fond memories there. And uh, we were at church whenever the doors were open. We went to Far West Stake reunions. Um, I think uh, I was thinking back. Uh, one of the outstanding experiences was at those reunions. Uh, where I felt the Holy Spirit and the love of Jesus Christ, especially in the the league early morning prayer services. Uh, I know we were spoken to in the spirit of prophecy many times. Emory Jennings was our stake president. At one time, Roy Lehman was the bishop. I don't know how many people might remember those names. I'm sure there are some listening long, that do. Long ago. Yeah. Um, but uh, when uh, when that spirit comes to you, you just are filled with the love of Jesus Christ, and you love everyone in that situation. You could, you could just go up and hug mm. every person because uh, there's there's no boundaries. When you feel the love of Jesus, and those were some wonderful memories. You hit that right on the head. Uh, I think that's the greatest way to know if something's of Jesus is your love for others expands and expounds. Yes, hard to counterfeit that. Right. So those shaped your your early years. Did you go to youth camps as oh, well? Yeah, yeah. They didn't have so many back in those days, but uh, mm. we did have some. Do you still have some friends that you fellowshiped way, with way back then? Have you lost touch oh, with most of them? You know, I still have friends and family that, yes. Okay. Right. I was going to say uh, my parents or my great-great-grandparents were converted in England, came to the United States. Um, <clears throat> they lived in the Iowa area when uh, Joseph Smith was uh, – martyred mm. 1844 they followed Brigham Young to Salt Lake City interesting yeah when they after they were there for a while and found out what was going on with the apostate teachings of Brigham uh, polygamy and so forth they snuck away in the still of the night came back to Iowa and joined the reorganization 
Tell me why they had to sneak away in the still of the night. Well, oh, uh, what was the people the, that were Danites? Danites, Danites, yes. Uh, they were worried about that, and uh, so they had to sneak away. So, as I understand that, um, that's not just rumor, but that there there were people that would keep the saints from leaving. Is that correct? Yes. They thought it, uh, their philosophy was, I believe, it was better for you to die than and keep your salvation than to leave the church. Yeah, a blood atonement teaching. Yes. Did you have some firsthand stories that you remember from your grandparents about being out there with Brigham? No, not really. Mm. No. You were pretty young and probably they, okay. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. They came back and joined, and then so your parents would have been uh, raised in the RLDS, right? Okay. Yes. What uh, What are some uh, any early experiences you want to share? Um, well, uh, growing up in Cameron as uh, a small town is ideal. Mm -hmm. uh, we did have a large congregation there. And uh, I've served in just about every office of the church except pastor. Mm -hmm. I've been Zion's League leader, church school director, choir director, uh, uh, ministry in the home, uh, counselor to the pastor, and uh, th that time uh, I was very musical. Uh, Mom gave me piano lessons, voice lessons, and uh, I was voted in my senior year. I was voted outstanding male vocalist uh, for the, my senior class. Oh wow! <laughs> what uh, have I seen a picture of you holding a guitar or violin? Do you play either one of those? Yes. I play everything. Wow. <laughs> I start, I got my first guitar when I was a junior in high school. I uh, taught myself pretty much because I'd had a music background. And uh, I started playing the piano when I was six. Uh, and so I taught myself guitar. Uh, later on, uh, I learned banjo. And uh, I wish I had taken violin lessons mm. as a child, but... Later on, I, I did take uh, violin lessons from uh, the brown girl. Mm -hmm. Elizabeth uh, or uh, sister? Yes, Elizabeth, I believe. Okay. I know she went to Juilliard School of Music mm -hmm. later. I could play the violin a little bit, but I just wanted to make sure I didn't wasn't developing some bad habits, so I right. took some lessons from her. And I play the mandolin, play dobro guitar, bass guitar. <laughs> uh, what else? Uh, ukulele, pretty easy to transfer from guitar. Did you ever play with a group? Yes. Oh, I was going to bring, well, I got some CDs in the car I'll give you. Oh. Uh, Saints Alive. I don't know if you I remember that, yeah. yeah. Larry Ellis <clears throat> played the fiddle for us. Sam Smith, the harmonica. Dan and Renee Edson. Uh, Dan's so very talented, plays mandolin, hammer dulcimer. But we recorded two CDs, and uh, they're available at Price Publishing. Okay. If people want to pick them up there. <clears throat> yeah, um, I go to church with Larry and um, oh, Sam, yeah. and they play. Uh, they've got a group still. They play yes, once in a while. And yeah, they kind of continued on. Man, their harmonies are fantastic. Right. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Okay, so they predated that. You were with them. That's neat. Yeah. Did you go around to a lot of congregations and do some music? Yes, we or? played at rest homes mm -hmm. and different congregations, mostly volunteer stuff. What do you think it is about music that uh, is so, well, ministering to the soul? It, it raises your your mood. It can do all kinds of things. Yeah, it's, it's just a universal uh, language that everybody 
can enjoy. So most people have some talent musically, but even if they don't, they enjoy music. They can appreciate music. Yeah. And it, it's a blessing from the Lord. It really is. I think it has a way of superseding your mind and just kind of going straight to the heart, to your yes. feelings. And uh, there's not any thinking or thought process as much as just uh, connecting in a more intimate way, maybe. Pretty Amen. cool. Well, um, do you feel like there was an event in your life that took the church from being a thing that, you know, you kind of do every day, part of your environment, part of your history, to um, a point where maybe Jesus became real in a personal way? Anything like that in your life? Uh, I think he's always been real to me, yes. Uh, I don't. I'm not thinking of anything mm-hmm. in particular, but well, yes. that's a blessing in itself that you can, because um, some people, I think, go through the motions because of their family, and then they get to a point where, eh, you know, maybe this is I was never really converted; I was just doing it, and then they have an experience with the Lord, and um, they realize that it's meant for them and not just others. You know, so one of the outstanding experiences I think I had. Uh, I was a mail carrier, letter carrier. Oh, neat. Um, Started out at the post office in Kansas City as a clerk. And uh, uh, after about a year working there, I was drafted. The Vietnam War was going on. Mm. Uh, I was in the Army. I took my basic at Fort Leonard Wood, my advanced training at Fort Polk, Louisiana. And went to Vietnam. I was in the 1st Cavalry Division. I was uh, in the mortar platoon, which was kind of a blessing because there's four platoons in a company, and the other three platoons, they're out uh, beating the bushes, Mm -hmm. patrolling and so forth. The mortar platoon kind of set up a little camp and uh, perimeter, and we supported the other three platoons. I was there about six months, and uh, come time for R&R, I was already married, been married seven years. Uh, We'd been trying to have a baby so I wouldn't get drafted, Mm. no luck. And so uh, uh, I met my wife in Hawaii for R&R, and uh, after that, uh, first day back in the field, they had moved our uh, company up to the DMZ, and which was a little more active. Mm. We were uh, attacked, had a big firefight, which is a battle. Uh, Thirteen of my friends were killed that day. Mm. One of them was a lieutenant. But uh, one of my friends was carrying a grenade launcher, which is looks like a sawed-off shotgun only it shoots out a grenade. And uh, when he got shot, he threw his grenade launcher to another soldier. When he threw it, it went off, shot me right below the knee. My left knee broke both bones. Oh. And it was getting dark. Um, so they didn't want to call in a medevac chopper because they thought the Viet Cong might not see the Red Cross on it and shoot it down. And so they put that off, but I was, me and a, and a black soldier was wounded also. Uh, I was bleeding pretty bad, so they finally gave up and called it in, got me out of there. Um, <clears throat> came back to uh, Fort Riley in Kansas and uh, stayed there while my leg was healing. as in a long, long leg cast. I actually worked in the cast room in the <laughs> hospital as a cast technician. I put on casts on other guys. Okay. I had Jeez. my cast on. <laughs> they did just let you relax and recuperate, huh? Yeah. Put you to work? Oh, yeah. Uh, that was a good experience. I thought maybe I might find a job doing that in civilian life, but uh, not that much call for it. Usually the doctor just put the cast yeah. on. Yeah. But well, my wife came out and joined me there. And while I was recuperating and she got a job on base, while she was there, she got pregnant while I had my long leg cast on. 
I, I, I tell everybody I should have broke my leg before. <laughs> <laughs> it brought you some good luck. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, after I got out of the service, I got a three months early out. Uh, they had an opening at the post office at Cameron, and so I transferred there and worked there 15 years. And then uh, we were meeting with some of the saints at Enoch Hill Branch down Independence, and uh, we were told uh, under the influence of the Spirit we, that we should gather. Mm-hmm. And so I applied for a transfer to the Independence Post Office and uh, got that, and so we moved back to Independence. Did you go out and deliver mail, or did you— Yes, uh, I was an actual letter carrier. So in the city or in Independence, would you be walking then, house to house? Yes, I had the route. uh, Well, I had to substitute for a while, carried every route in Independence just about, but eventually I got my own route which was uh, out of the Truman office. I carried Nolan Road from 23rd to 35th, and then in there where the Enoch Hill Church mm-hmm. is, uh, Osage, Liberty, and Maine, that area. Any cool things that happened as a letter carrier? Did you get to know some of the people that you delivered the oh, mail yes. to? Yes, uh, developed great friendship of a lot of the patrons and I, at Christmas time, you know, they'd give leave a gift out for the mailbox, and uh, yeah. Did you have much time to stop and talk, or was it a pretty go go go? Or? No, it's pretty yeah, pretty rigid. Yeah, yeah. Walked about twelve miles a day. Well, man, you could probably have eaten anything you wanted and just stayed <laughs> stay pretty trim, right? Well, that's I guess it was good uh, therapy for that broken leg. Oh yeah, that Did ever give you any trouble. It did. Eventually, I got arthritis in that ankle, and about a year ago, I had to have that ankle fused. Mm. But that yeah, it fixed it. Well, you know, in Independence, I do home health, so I'm out every day, but I have a car. I'm not walking. Uh, there's, there's really not that many days where the weather's just perfect. It's, no. it's sometimes hot <laughs> or too cold or yeah. raining, right? Too sunny. Yeah, the mail's got to go through. Right yeah. What was the most challenging, the rain or high snow? Or? Uh, when it was raining and it was windy. Oh. <laughs> you get wet no matter what when the wind's blowing. Okay. Yeah. I don't know why, but I've, I've just always been fascinated by that job. And Did you, did you have a lot of time to think or pray, or what was what was your mind doing oh, as you're walking? Oh, thank you. Uh, yes. Uh, when the church developed the cassette tapes of the scriptures, mm-hmm. uh, I carried a little tape recorder in my satchel, and I would listen to the Book of Mormon or the New Testament, Old Testament, Doctrine and Covenants. I bet I listened to the Book of Mormon 50 times Wow! while I was carrying the mail. What a blessing that was, <laughs> and that was a testimony I started to tell you about uh, when I told you I was a mail carrier. Uh, one day there at Cameron... I just finished this one loop of carrying the mail, and I also just finished reading the Book of Mormon. And you know the promise there yeah. in the book, end of the Book of Mormon. If you uh, read it and believe uh, that it will be ma- known to, made known to you that the truthfulness of it. And the Spirit flooded me. Mm. And I knew it was true. No doubt whatsoever. And because of that, I love the Book of Mormon so much. Mm-hmm. And uh, and also because of that, later I was privileged to uh, minister to the Navajo Indians. Oh. I spent uh, off and on uh, for six years visiting the Navajo Reservation in Arizona. <clears throat> we had reunions. Uh, we the elders, a truckload of elders or vanload of elders would go out there periodically and uh, visit around to the different camp, Navajo camps. And, oh, what a wonderful ministry that was! Those people have so much faith, and we saw miracles happen. People healed. We felt the strength of the Spirit so many times out there. I miss it so much, but. Uh, 
is a high altitude, you know, about 6,000 feet, uh-huh. hot, dry climate. And uh, my health now, I had a real bad heart attack in 2002. Uh, had three code blues. Oh, wow. They say you can only have two. <laughs> so the Lord wasn't done with me. Uh. So uh, I had some, uh, uh, what do you call it? The uh, stents. Yeah. Put in. Opens you back uh, up. And uh, about six months after that, I was having some, my heart was slowing down about 40 beats a minute, Mm. stopping. So I've got a pacemaker. I'm on my third pacemaker. Yeah. Well, when you had a code blue, were you, where were you at? Were you in the hospital already? In the hospital. Okay. So you went in with pain, but you were there when it. Right. Okay. Yeah, they do some amazing things in the cath labs now. Yes. Well, and back then. Uh, I was going to ask you, you said something, let me think. Uh, oh, Book of Mormon, listening to it on, was that Harold Whitehead? Was he the one? Yes. It's crazy. Uh, Corey, uh, my, my partner, put put those on digital on his website, restoredgospel.com, um, and you can actually, if you're searching scriptures, you can link and it'll play uh, for you the audio, but it's it's kind of neat because I've had a couple LDS people uh, that have found those because we're doing our, our YouTube videos now. Um, and they, you know, they've got all kinds of audio scriptures and productions with music and everything. But a, a couple of them have said they really like the guy's voice that's reading those, even oh, though yeah. they're not recorded anywhere near the standard today. Uh, and they, they've thanked us for having those available. So that was kind of cool. His voice, his voice is just awesome. And now it's on the internet that people can hear. That's great. Appreciate that. All over the world. That's, that's pretty neat. So that would be a blessing to be able to hear the, have a job where you can hear the word all day. Yeah. Yes. And you just went old school threw a cassette player in the yeah. mail satchel. And so I guess anybody walking by got a little, little taste of the book of Mormon too. Mm-hmm. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of partial to that book. So, Oh, me too. Um, what was the response like at the Navajo? Were they understanding anything about the Book of Mormon as, as speaking to them as covenant people or, or lineage? Oh, sure. Yes. They got absolutely. that. Yeah. How many were involved out there when you went? Uh, we would have about a hundred come to our reunions. Okay. Uh, we built a church for them there, took up donations. We'd take out clothing and different things to help out. Men, uh, women, and children coming to the reunion? Oh, yes, yes. I remember one year, uh, Steve Ferris, many people know him, uh, was supposed to be in charge of the children's church during reunion. He couldn't make it to the reunion. So uh, Ivan, Stella Bird, and I uh, took over and we didn't have any resources with us or anything, but the Lord blessed us tremendously, and uh, we had a a great time with the kids mm. ministering to them in that week. Let me ask you, what was their method of worship out there? Was it was it different? Did they worship differently, pray differently than we do? Uh, yes, I would say they do. Uh, they're so very humble. Uh, some of the best services we had was in their Hogan. You know, it's a multi-sided mm-hmm. structure with a hole in the middle of the roof for the smoke to go out. They'd build a fire in the middle. We'd set on the floor around the edge of the Hogan and uh, take turns praying or testifying around the circle. And uh, they would... In, uh, include some of their tradition, worship traditions, with ours, where they have the eagle feather. They would fan the smoke, which represents the Holy Spirit, mm. and they would fan it to each person around the circle. And so many wonderful things like that that we learned from them. It was it was beautiful. That's neat. Yes. What was it? Uh, was it a dirt floor or a? Yes, dirt floor. I'm just trying to picture sitting yeah. around in the dirt and yeah, take a rug or something in to set on. 
Did they still have their own uh, own language to them? Yes. Now, the children that go to school, they could speak both. Mm-hmm. But some of the older people, now, since I've been there, which had been years ago, uh, I suppose they all speak English now. But back then, we have to have a translator mm. at our services because about half of them couldn't understand English. Did you recognize any um, any other uh, old, like oral traditions or things passed down that would lead you to believe they knew about Jesus? Or were, were they hearing about Jesus uh, for the first time, some of them? Yeah, they, they knew about the Great Spirit, of course, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, this, the concept of the Son of God as Jesus was something new. I think I believe. Oh, okay. Them. Yes. Now, what year? About what years were this? Um, that would have been after I retired from the post office in the eighties. Okay, so we're looking, you know, forty, thirty to forty years yes. ago. I I can't believe I've been retired twenty five years. <laughs> Do you? Uh, no, not wait. I'm sorry. I retired in ninety seven, so that would have been. In the early 2000s. Okay. That I went out there. Yes. So within the last Sorry. two decades. I'm getting old. No, that's okay. <laughs> uh, no, it's, I can't I can't remember when things happen very specifically. <clears throat> so um, do, is there still any ministry that you know of going on out there? Yes, or? yeah, there is. Uh, Pete Hughes mm-hmm. and Diana, I believe they're still involved. I grew up with them in Ohio at our little congregation in Bradner. They were they were my Zion's League youth leaders growing up. Took us on all kinds of places. Always thankful for that. Yeah, yeah. Good friends with my parents. Great couple. Um. Well, let's see. So we talked about the Navajo ministry. Um, I thought you had mentioned something else. I should have wrote it down. Yeah. After I retired from the post office, uh, also uh, we. My wife and I both grew up with horses, mm, and mm-hmm. uh, I've had a horse. That, uh, we had a horse and buggy for a while. Uh, we rode horses. <laughs> uh, we loved our horses. We were looking forward after retirement to go down South Missouri and riding. Go to horse. They have horse camps. Yeah, which we did go to some uh, before I retired. But we were looking forward after I retired to doing that full time. But uh, the Lord intervened. He uh, put on our heart to sell our horses, to buy a fifth wheel camper, and uh, we traveled bringing ministry to isolated saints. Um, we went down to Florida. Um, we hit the Carolinas down to Florida, back through Louisiana. We went to Texas one trip. We would be gone for about six weeks. Wow. And I would line up branches or families in isolated areas, and I would preach each Sunday at, at these isolated places. We went up to Michigan a couple of times. We went to Wyoming. Um, and, of course, went to Navajos. How did you find these saints they were hungering. Mm-hmm. Yes, they really appreciated us visiting and coming from the center place to to bring news of what's going on here, you know, and to minister to them. So, having traveled, is was there is there a favorite place in this country that you really like to be at that you find extraordinarily beautiful, or or several places? This country's beautiful wherever you go. <laughs> it really is. In that the truth? Yes. My wife and I are really fond of the national parks, and we usually head to the mountains somewhere, but uh, just recently we went to the ocean, and and when I'm in the ocean, I'm like, well, this is my favorite place, but when I'm in the mountains, it's my favorite place, but I love the contrast. Yeah. Very blessed. Yeah. So how did you, how would you rate that overall experience of traveling around and, and visiting saints? Oh, it was just great. It's Probably the highlight of our our ministry. Wow! And uh, we got 
kind of a joke between us. Uh, wherever we'd go, we'd just like you knew Pete and Diana. Mm-hmm. Uh, wherever we'd go, they had they'd know somebody that we'd known. Uh, I went to Graceland two years, so that developed a lot of mutual friendships. Mm-hmm. Also, do you remember uh, what years you were at Graceland? As uh, 60, 61. Okay. A little bit before my mom and dad, I think. Oh. Yeah. Okay. They met there. Did they? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, don't let me forget to tell me how tell you how my wife and I met. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's another testimony. Yeah. But uh where was I going? Oh. Uh, we we uh know somebody that they know and we had this old saying you can't talk about anybody. Because <laughs> <laughs> somebody knows somebody. Right, right. Right. But my wife and I, uh, we'd both moved to Independence after high school. She was two years younger than I. And um, she was working at the Bendix Corporation. <clears throat> and I can't remember what they call that now. It's out at Honeywell? 95th and Troost. Is it Honeywell? I uh, think so, Yes. Yeah, I think it is. It's My been, dad grew up in uh, Autolite, Bendix, in Fostoria and transferred out oh, to Nevada okay. to work at Honeywell, I think it was then. But mm-hmm. anyway, well, go ahead. It's changed ownership a couple of times, I think. But um, uh, And I was working at the post office. So uh, we came home to Cameron. She grew up in Cameron, too. Oh. And uh, for a weekend visit and... Her and her brother, his her brother was two years younger. Uh, whenever they'd come home, they'd go to the Methodist church on the weekend. So, and of course, I went to the RLDS church. So she said, when she drove into church, her car just went right by the Methodist church and went down to the RLDS church. Mm. Uh, the reason she had association with the RLDS church, her aunt was a member, and her uncle. Her uncle was Gib Gordon, who was a production manager at the Herald House. He married us, and her aunt was Faye Alberti from Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, and her dad was actually a church member, but he was inactive. Mm-hmm. Uh, he smoked. He drank. Uh, he was kind of a wild child mm-hmm. for the family. Each family has one, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> he he was he would trap animals. He was a prospector. He'd prospect for gold, uranium. Uh, he was a machinist at Bendix, mm-hmm. and uh, but anyway. Uh, she walked into church. I saw her. She was wearing a yellow dress. <laughs> and uh, a friend of mine introduced me to her after church. I called her that afternoon. We doubled, dated that evening with a friend. Uh-huh. That was it. I was dating somebody else at the time. She was dating another fellow at the time. We both dropped those. <laughs> And since we both lived here in Independence, it was ideal to uh, uh, courtship. And uh, so soon we were married. That's one of the most remarkable stories I think I've heard of. I think my friend Francis Harper, who's who's passed on, would have said, yes. well, that was a divine appointment. Yes. <laughs> and so uh, we had cottage meetings with her mother and her brother and her dad. Uh, they... Her mother and her brother joined the church. Her dad was reactivated. He loved the Book of Mormon, mm. even though he'd gone off for a while. And uh, so their whole family joined the church because of that. Well, that's that's neat. How long did you... So do you remember about how old you were? You said you'd graduated high school, so... Uh, I was 21. She was 19 when we got married. All right. Yes. Um. How long did you date before you got married? Oh, you said when you got married. You were tw- uh, yeah. Oh, okay. So how we, long did you we date? We dated be- about six months. Okay. So you knew. You got that was pretty quick. Yeah. 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 Same with my wife and I. We 
about six months when we were married. Okay. Still married. So. You know when you find the right one. <laughs> it was funny because she wasn't a member of the church, and every it seemed like a lot of girls I dated were, but I had no no qualms about her. She is now, but anyway. Sure. Well, let me um, – so you met your wife, and uh, what do you think it is about the Book of Mormon that um, – you know, even someone that's, quote, the wild child, they still love that book. Any ideas why – it becomes so beloved to people. It's just so easy to read, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah. It's plain and precious. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I remember Eric Odita was, was sitting right there, shared his testimony of reading that book all night long and kept waking up his wife and telling her, look, look at what this says. And finally she's like, I've got to sleep tonight, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but um I think that's the case. I think it was meant to be plain for us so that we can just see who Jesus is so so plainly. Yes. What? Um, so you got a little list of notes over there. Anything else that you would like to talk about? Um, of course, most people that's going to hear this uh, get my Restoration News emails. I've got about 1,400 people that I send emails to. I also post nearly everything on the uh, restoration or it's it's rest, resto news uh, blog uh, if they want to go there they can see most of the posts I will write down the exact um, address that people can find on the internet before you leave okay. and we'll okay. put a link in the show notes they can click on but Good. tell me about your uh, tell me about your email service because the church is, uh, you know, we're in a state where we're disorganized in many different groups. And how long have you been doing this email service? Uh, a couple of years anyway, I'd say. it's I can't remember, but... At least, yeah. Uh, I started it because I've always believed in the storehouse principle so that if you have something that you're not using that somebody else needs, what better way to have a storehouse than have it online? Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't really need a physical storehouse where you put all your stuff and then you can go and get those things. But the, the Internet has provided an ideal way to provide that storehouse. Mm-hmm. And even though it's branched out to a lot of other things, um, my retirement's gone by the wayside because it's pretty near a full-time job to keep up with it. I can't. Oh, yeah. So I want to talk. This, this is going to be interesting. <clears throat> I wanted to get your perspective on that because I've used your your service to announce special guests on the podcast. I try not to send them every week to you, but when we have something a little different. And um, so it started out physical items storehouse how did you build your uh how did you build your your database of well uh yeah i use a mail service called mad mimi to send my posts now mm-hmm. uh, it cost me 16 dollars a month but it's well worth it before i used gmail gmail was the most liberal uh as far as letting me send multiple to multiple contacts, mm-hmm. I could send to a hundred people uh, every hour, and with six, I started out with you know five or six hundred people. It would take me five hours to send to all the people oh. that I wanted to send to, uh-huh. and so that was really time consuming. And so I, I found out about this mail service, and that's been such a blessing to me. Um, I do ask people to donate to that if uh, they want to send something that's money-making or they're sending an item where they're going to get some money. Gotcha. If it's just a little piddly thing, I don't usually ask Mm -hmm. for a donation. But if, you know, it's like a car or furniture or some big item, Uh I I ask for a donation. Okay. So that. Well, that's interesting. What, uh, so it probably started out just word of mouth or, or people that you knew from your travels and, and then someone shares with someone. And are you still getting new uh, subscribers? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, I am. 
started out with just my branch of South Crystal Restoration Branch people mostly. Okay. Uh, I would keep them up to date with what's going on with the branch, and then it just kept expanding, you know. Do you still attend South Chrysler? Yes. Okay, so this is one thing I noticed, and one thing I appreciate. Um, as you say, it's expanded into other things. Uh, you get a wide variety of views and probably personal opinions, and you you seem to not censor um, what you pass out. Now, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you do, but I see a, vari- a wide variety of uh, flavors of the restoration or thoughts and um, so how does that work? Do you, do you try to just be fairly accommodating or, or are you censoring things I, from time to time? Or I do censor some things, but mostly uh, I try to let everybody know what's going on. But I do have the context divided up in different groups. I have a group for South Chrysler. I have a group for the Remnant. JCRB, okay, uh, Community of Christ, Mormons, and I've even got a small group of non-restoration, which I include sometimes when something's for sale or, mm-hmm. you know, not religiously uh, oriented. But, uh, and the reason that for that is a lot of things are not interest of interest to all of those groups. Mm-hmm. So if uh, say uh, the uh, remnant has something they want to promote that would just be of interest to them. I just send to them. Okay. And then I have local and distant people too. I've got people worldwide that I send to, but of course anything that's uh, for sale locally or something happening locally, I just send to local people. So is it set up in a way where you can check categories, some or, or right. groups or all, to depending on what it is? Yes. Okay. So if there's a new uh, book that's out and it's available, uh, you would send that like to everybody pretty much? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's interesting. But I do see advertisements for, um, oh, JCRB or just the LDS. I think someone just put out a... Pioneer Days or something like that. Mm-hmm. Now, that would go, even though it's from the LDS, you would send that to everyone? Well, because everybody's invited. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Well, that, that gives a, a little idea. Now, you said, um, so let's say this. I I send you, uh, hey, Garland, here's a special guest podcast. Um, what's the, you get the email from me, then what's the process? And I copy and paste that into my okay. mail service and then I have to uh, uh, the link uh, I have to uh, it it comes up where I have to put the web address in there mm-hmm. and the email address I have to put that in so that it if they want to contact you gotcha they can just click on your uh-huh. email address to uh, reply to you. Okay. I get, <laughs> I get so many people that just hit reply when they get this. Oh, and they go if back they, to you? It comes to me. And you got to forward it. I've, I've yeah, gotten just, a couple of them. I just copy it to the next to who it should go to. Now, how many a day, how many requests or, or emails do you get on an average? Do you have any idea? Oh, five or six. Uh-huh. Some Thursday, uh, Thursday and Friday. Or my heavy days. Okay. I think it's just like uh, eBay. <laughs> People think they're going to get more response by sending it out on the weekend. So what's yeah. a, what is a, give me an idea of a heavy day for you. Oh, eight or 10. Okay. Yeah. And that takes a while to, do you ever, do you sit there and try to vet things or do you, you I guess you decide who, who would this be pertinent to and then right. send it out? I have to do a lot of editing, too. <laughs> I have some type. People send me in something, and it's got typos in it. Gotcha. And uh, different things. So this takes a little bit of your time. It does, yeah. And you probably, so are you like, uh, do you get them on your phone, or are you kind of check in on your computer every so no, often? it's on or? my laptop. It's Lap- me, easiest for me to yeah. manipulate. Yeah. So you just kind of stay tied in pretty quick. It's something I can do in my recliner. Okay. 
<laughs> well, I know just from personal use that it's uh, you send it, and usually within a few hours, the email goes out. So you you are pretty uh, pretty snappy up I on it. I try to get them right out. Yes. What happens when you go on vacation or or leave the house? My laptop goes, goes with, with me. me. <laughs> yeah. You stay committed no matter what. So you're oh, never yes. really off the clock. No. No. Well, I want to thank you for that for that service because it really. I think it's it's the first place a lot of people think of on where can I how can I get this info out and it it is an important thing today. It's really right. one of the most probably not uniting, but I guess that's the word uniting sure. or or one place you go to one stop shop for information. Well, people like to deal with somebody they can trust mm-hmm. uh, uh, on. Uh, what is it? The other place you advertise stuff. Um, anyway, they know they can trust church people. They can go to their house. They can meet them. Right. Uh, they, they know they got quality merchandise. And so it's, yeah. it's a good place to go. That is true. That they, at least you know that you're getting probably what you, you say you're getting is what right. you're going to receive. Yeah. Well, um, I was going to ask you just because I don't think I've, uh, maybe I have talked to someone that was in the service, but you were you said you were in Vietnam. Right. Um, is that something that you do talk about or you prefer not to talk about? Or I was very blessed. Uh, I didn't experience any PTSD or mm-hmm. anything like that. No, I don't have bad dreams. or So uh, I was very blessed. Uh, I, like I say, we didn't see hardly any action. Once in a while, a sniper or he'd, one of the guys that hit a booby trap or something like that. But uh, most of the time, we were just walking around the jungle, uh, setting up perimeters mm-hmm. and uh, looking for the bad guy. But uh, then at the end, uh, we did get in that real terrible firefight. Let me ask you, first of all, since I did not have to experience this, my generation, what was that like to know you could be drafted and then to get that draft notice? Well, there, w- there really wasn't much you could do about it. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's something that uh, you had to do, but you're serving your country. And uh, uh, a lot of the Vietnam vets had a bad experience when they come home. They were spit on and ridiculed. Of course, I came home in a stretcher, so mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see that end of it. But since then, uh, I've been honored greatly for being a veteran. Um, I have, uh, originally I got 30% disability, uh, and later on they upped it to 60% mm-hmm. disability. And so I get all my meds free. I get a yearly checkups and mm-hmm. get free eyeglasses. And so wow, those are all blessings that result of serving your country. Yeah. I I, I just can't imagine walking through a jungle knowing there, there could be people out there, that there are people out there that uh, – was it a – did you have an anxiousness at all the t- all the time that you were on guard, or did you feel a peace inside? What was that? No, like I said, I was very blessed. Uh, I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't worried. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't anxious uh, at all. I, there were my congregation there. Cameron was praying for me. I knew that. My mother, she had a strong faith. If she prayed for something, it usually happened. <laughs> and so I knew she was praying. And So part of that being blessed was, was not just surviving, but having a, an inner peace while you were there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, knowing thank the, you for... Knowing the Lord and the gospel, it gives you that peace. Mm. Well, Garland, anything else on your mind that you want to share? Um. Right now, I'm serving as a daytime ministry uh, coordinator at South Chrysler. Um, we have two elders assigned each day, Monday through Friday, who uh, and and I assign them a list of shut-ins uh, that are not able to come to church. 
on a regular basis, if at all, uh, usually four or five families per each pair of elders. Mm-hmm. And then those elders uh, have a, each have a day of the week that they're assigned to uh, be on call to go administer to people in the hospital or at home. Okay. Whatever the needs are. Do so you? I coordinate that. Is that uh, something specific to, to your congregation or anybody listening that may not be going anywhere or go to a different branch? Is that something they can reach out for? Or? It's basically for our congregation. Okay. I don't know if other congregations have that, but. That's a good ministry. Course, yes. Of course, we would go wherever we're asked. Yeah. Yes. Well, that sounds like you probably stay active with that, or they have yes. a lot of. I've been doing that for several years. Have you had a favorite ministry that you've served in? You said maybe the Navajo? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yes. Of course, music. Uh, I uh, I don't know if you, I know some people remember Garland Tickemeyer. My parents were going to the Stone Church when I was born. Garland Tickemeyer was the young adult leader there. So that's where he's and I was named Garland mm-hmm. after him. He was a wonderful singer. And uh, I've been told I have a beautiful voice. I don't nowadays. It's, I mean, I'm 80 years old, <laughs> uh, but I, I still enjoy singing. I still enjoy music. But I used to sing a lot of solos, sing quartet, you know, choir director, sing in the choir. Uh, music is my life. Mm. Just, I just love it. You still listen to it quite a bit? Yes. And I... Uh, Every Tuesday, they have a jam session at the Senior Center in Blue Springs. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, at, at 12.30, I go there. There's about 10 or 12 of us that bring our guitars or banjos or whatever, and we sit in a semicircle and take turns leading a song. So this It's is, a great time. That sounds fascinating. I bet people, you get some followers that show up every week. Oh, yeah, there's about 50 people that come <laughs> listen to us. Good Most, for you. Mostly seniors, of course. Good for you. That's awesome. It's great, great fun. Keeps you young. Yes. <laughs> Got to jam every now and then. Oh, yeah. Uh, anything else? Uh, that covers it. Yeah. Well, I want to say I I just simply asked you, I thought, you know, I'd I use Garland's service. I, he serves so many people. I want to get his testimony of Jesus, and you you didn't even hesitate. We had to reschedule once or twice, but uh, here you are. Thank you for being willing to talk, and uh, I learned a lot about you and your service to so many, it seems like, driving around and visiting them and visiting the shut-ins. Thank you, Michael, for what you do. It's a well, This is a wonderful ministry. Well, I appreciate it. Well, say hi to your your wife for me and uh, uh, if you see your son-in-law which I'm sure you will uh, tell him I said hi it's been a long time since I've come across him so okay will do all right God bless <laughs>